Corinthians chapter 10. Corinthians chapter 10, we're just going to read a few verses there. I guess it is all written out on our paper as well, but you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I, I just, tonight, I, really the, the subject is, is about spiritual warfare. The title of the message is Pulling Down Strongholds, but it's, it's about spiritual warfare. And you, you realize that there is a war that's happening, right? There's a war that's taking place. There's a war that, that is, is going on. And it's not a physical war, but it is a spiritual war. And, and it is happening right now, right in this place, even, even here tonight, there is a war that is taking place. And, and we're going to talk about pulling down some strongholds and, and, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's just begin. In verse number three, it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now we're going to talk about what these strongholds are. Verse five, it says, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen. Really, we need that fifth verse there to help us with the whole context of what Paul is talking about when he's speaking of strongholds because he begins to go in depth on what these strongholds are all about. But but before we before we just dive right into strongholds, I want to just speak on some of the um, some of the other areas, some of the other weapons that Satan has at his disposal in this spiritual warfare that we're in. Now I want to I want to say, I guess before I even get into the the, the, the warfare, the, all of this, I, I imagine myself a. Um, a, a mother who, a mother who invited some people over to dinner. Anybody ever been there before? Invited, you know, you had some people over, inviting them over, and as you're preparing dinner, you're setting, setting the table, and this mother, she asks her six-year-old daughter to say the blessing over the meal, and the six-year-old daughter, if it's, uh, anything like my children, they, you know, kind of quietly, um, you know, they might say, well, I, I don't know what to say. Well, the mother just says to the daughter, says, well, just just say what you hear mommy say. And so the little girl, she bows her head at that dinner table. And after a very long pause, she says, dear Lord, why on earth did I invite all of these people over to dinner? You know, spiritual warfare, it, it, can't, it can't be fought just by repeating someone else's actions or somebody else's phrases. Spiritual, spiritual warfare, it can't be just about saying, you know, I've heard this said by somebody else. I've, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've read this and, and, you know, maybe it's true, but, uh, but I haven't experienced it myself. See, spiritual warfare, if we are truly going to be equipped to fight, equipped 
for the battle, we must understand that we must understand what we are doing and why we are doing it in order for it to be effective. In order for our defenses to be effective. It can't just be hearing what somebody else says and repeating it. See, I want to, I want to look at some of these different tactics of the enemy and, and different weapons that he has at his disposal. And the first of which I would say is, is the most obvious weapon. It's an active weapon that Satan has at his disposal and that is sin. Now, why this is such an easy one is because it is really our flesh. It's in us to want to sin, to desire to sin. Ever since the fall of mankind, there's been a desire in mankind to do what is contrary to the will of God, which if it's contrary to the will of God, then it's sin. And so this is something that is within us, within our flesh, to desire sin, but this is a weapon that Satan has at his disposal because all he has to do is to set up some temptations in our tracks. The Satan, he's known as the tempter. Even Jesus, even Jesus was introduced to the tempter. He went into the wilderness, the tempter, Satan, came to him and tried to tempt him into doing things that would have been sinful. And we see, uh, we see that this, this, the expertise that Satan has at his disposal with this weapon. And we see that, that it's almost as if sin, it, it seeks you out like this guided missile and it's, you know, it kind of, it, it knows you. And Satan, he, he knows you. He, he's, he's watched you and, and, and the, the enemy of our soul, it's, he's, he's watched us. He knows the things that, uh, you know, that would cause us to be tempted. He, he knows the, um, the glances that uh, we, we stare at something a little bit too long. He knows the things that we've done in our past. He knows the, uh, the things that maybe our mouth would, uh, uh, you know, has, has said things in the past that have gotten us in trouble. And he knows how to tempt us with those same things. And and uh, we, we know immediately, we know immediately when you are hit with, um, hit by one of these weapons because there is a reaction or there is a wage to our sin. What does scripture say that the wages of sin is? It's death. The wages of sin is death. Now we think of that as just being something that is in the far future, something, an eternal death, but really there is, even in the very present moment, a spiritual death any time that there is sin. There is something that when we are, are actively engaging in sin, then you cannot as well be in the, in a, in a right spirit with God. Your spirit is not in the, in the right place. There is a death that is, uh, that has taken place when we are um, when we are engaging in sin. And so we cannot, we cannot have both of them happening at the same time where you're following God and also living according to the sins of, you know, that, that Satan is tempting you with. So this is, of course, the most obvious of the weapons that Satan has at his disposal. But the second weapon, the second weapon that he has is one that I would say is a passive weapon. And that is, Accusations. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. 
We see this in, in the book of Job. If you know how, how the book of Job opens up, we see this scene that's, that's laid out and it's, it's, uh, Satan that comes before God and he, he is accusing God of, uh, of protecting Job and he's, he's accusing uh, Job of only loving God because of the blessings that God has on his, has, has bestowed upon him and the fact that there's a fence around him and he starts to accuse him and, and do some things and, and he says only if you would lift up that fence then I, I'll tell you the true nature of Job. Well, he's the accuser of the brethren. Zechariah tells us of him being the accuser of the brethren. We see in Revelation that, that he is the accuser. That is, that is exactly what uh, Satan tries to do. And if he, if he has enough courage to accuse you before God, who knows all the facts, imagine what he's capable of saying to us in our minds, trying to speak to us and, and, and make us feel accusations that uh, that if he's if he's up there telling God and accusing us before God who knows all these things and yet here we are in the midst of all of our life trying to figure things out Satan tries to come and he does come and he will start uh, throwing accusations our way that make us feel as if we've done something wrong even though you've been forgiven. Even though you have been forgiven, he reminds you of every single sin that you've ever committed. Well, even though your past was washed away in the water, he reminds you and he says, yeah, but look at who you used to be. You can't do this and you're going to continue to do the same things that you used to do because that's just who you are. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the accuser that comes around trying to bring up our past. Things that Jesus says, I've already forgiven you of that. Stop going back to it. Stop trying to live in your past. I've, I've, I want you to move on. I want you to move forward. But this is a tactic of the enemy to try to get us to fall back into our old way. Throwing accusations our way. He'll throw accusations our way that will say, Jesus, Jesus, you, you, you've done too much. Jesus has forsaken you. Jesus is, he, he's, he's left you behind. Satan, he, he will scream and he will try to tell you things that you are just too bad for God to ever love you or for God to ever use you. Well, that, yeah, yeah you, maybe you... Uh, maybe you are in church, maybe you're trying to live for God, but you've done way too much. And God, He cannot ever truly use you and resurrect you and do anything good with, with you because you've just gone too far. You've done too much. Well, these are accusations of the enemy. These are, these are, uh, enemy, these are, um, uh, tools that He has at His disposal in the spiritual warfare that'll try to get in your mind. And throw things at us that are not true. They are baseless. But if he says them long enough and says it enough and loud enough, he gets a whole lot of people to believe him. He gets a whole lot of people to begin to stumble and fall. We see in Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave you 
nor forsake you. These are the words. He's quoting what, what Jesus was saying here. I will never leave you nor forsake you. If we were to, to look at this in the, in the Amplified, and I don't have a slide for that, but if, just listen. This second portion of that scripture, he will never leave you nor forsake you. It says in the Amplified version, for he, God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you nor give you up nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. God will not let go. He will not leave you helpless. He will not leave you. He will not leave you to, to try to find your own way. You cannot make too many mistakes for God to just say, you, you're too far. I can't do anything for you anymore. God is there. And I'm telling you, Satan, he tries to bring accusations your way to tell you that you cannot make it back. But God is there for you. And I'm telling you, there's somebody here tonight who maybe it's not for yourself, but you feel as if maybe somebody has gone too far. Somebody you've been praying for for a long time. Maybe they've done one too many things that they're not going to make their way back. But God will never leave us nor forsake us. He is still there. Don't let those accusations, don't let them sink in. Don't let them take root. Because Satan, he'll try to use these accusations to accusations to generate this anxiety in us and and you'll try to get this anxiety to be strong enough that you'll uh that, that we will come out from under the 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 hand of god that's that's there with us and he, and that's why that's why peter that's why he tells us you need to cast your cares upon the lord don't rest in all this anxiety. Don't, don't allow your mind to, uh, you know, just allow all these accusations to continue going on in your mind. Cast your cares upon the Lord. Take all these things that, that you feel that the weight of them and you feel like, like there are just accusations one after another that are coming to you and, and, and just say, God, all I know is that your word says you'll never leave me nor forsake me. God, all I know is that I'm feeling this way, but Satan, but, but, but I know that your word says that it's not true, so I'm gonna trust your word. First Peter 5, 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 8 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's walking around like a roaring lion. I don't know about you, but if I was, if I was out in a place wherever the lions are at, not, not a zoo, but out in Africa somewhere, and I heard the roaring of the lion at night, and I wasn't in my home, or somewhere where I was protected, that would cause me to freeze up pretty quick. Things would get pretty tight around here, and I'd be looking around trying to figure out where did that roar come from. I'd be paralyzed in my tracks, and that's exactly what Satan tries to do. He tries to paralyze you. 
He tries to, to roar as loud as he can to get you paralyzed like an animal that's fallen into its trap. And that's exactly what a, what a lion will do. It'll, it'll roar and it will paralyze uh, its, its, its uh, prey. And in, and in that moment it will try to then come and, and attack. We know this weapon has been successful because despair and fear begin to take over in our life. Talking about this weapon of accusations. If you feel the despair, if you feel fear, feel fear in your life, I want you to recognize that there is a spiritual warfare that's going on. There are things going on in your mind that, that there, there are accusations that are very likely coming your way that you need to turn those accusations off and begin to pray and say, God, I'm not going to hear this word. I'm not going to hear these accusations anymore, but I come against it with the word of God. I come against every accusation and I stand on the truth that God, you know who I am, God, and I know that you are near me. I know that you are close, that you will never forsake me. You'll never leave me. Amen. Don't allow the accusations of the enemy to paralyze you, to cause you to live in fear. To cause you to live in despair. God is there. Amen. But this third, this third weapon, this third weapon of the enemy, I believe is, is the most dangerous of them because this weapon lies dormant, dormant until it's activated. This is this weapon of strongholds, and this is what we're going to really focus in on here tonight, this weapon of strongholds, because the church in general, I believe, is, is well aware of the first two weapons because of the Bible teaching, because of the, you know, the, their effects that they have. We see the spiritual death. We see the paralysis that can take place. There's some vi- uh, visible um, motivators in us to get help when we're living in sin or when we're feeling the accusations. But there's not always these visible things associated with strongholds. In fact, a stronghold, these things, and it's probably why it's identified as such, a stronghold, but they can be built up over time, and they will be built up over time. And it's it's a it's something that it begins and, and you don't even realize that it has begun to start to be built up in your mind and then all of a sudden it's it begins to affect other areas of your mind if you imagine if you imagine a the cities and we don't necessarily see this as much today but uh, now that uh, especially we have the kind of military technology or military uh, strength and, and airplanes and all of these different different ways to get into cities but it used to be that walls were the fortified, heavy-duty, big walls were the best way to protect your city. If you didn't have walls, your city was going to be, it was going to be overtaken pretty quickly anytime there was an enemy that would come your way. But if you had walls, if you had the ability to construct walls that were all the way around your city that could not be uh, could not be uh, overtaken, then your city was impenetrable. And it was those walls, those walls that were identified as the strongholds of a city. And we see these strongholds, and so that's the, that's the physical representation, but 
Paul isn't writing about the physical representation of strongholds. He's not talking about physical walls because he had just said our battle is not a spiritual or is not a physical battle, but it's a spiritual battle. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're spiritual. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We need to pull down some walls. We need to pull down some things that have been constructed. And so what are we talking about? What are these strongholds that we're talking about? These walls that are being built. Is he talking about things in our city? He's talking about things that that are that are taking place and they've there's strongholds in our city and and uh you know they're they're, they're things that are um you know making uh you know people to to live in sin because of, of certain things I don't, I don't believe that's what he's talking about here because when we look at the context and in fact if you even we're not really going to dive into it too much but if you look at the uh original language of this these strongholds are are very directly talking about things that are happening in your mind this isn't something that's happening out there. This isn't about a wall that's built up around Kendallville or built up in certain sections of Kendallville in different areas. But this is all things that are happening right here in your mind. It's talking about spiritual warfare, strongholds, walls that are being constructed in your mind. They're things that, that you begin to, you begin to uh, allow certain thoughts, you begin to allow certain mindsets to take root that you don't even realize that as they're being built, that these are strongholds. You don't realize that that hurt that you experienced, you didn't realize that that was laying the footers for some strongholds that are being built in your life. You experienced some hurt and all of a sudden you started to, to build up some walls and different things because of that. And then you began to experience things uh, after that, that uh, after that hurt that you had and, and you've built up some strongholds, some, some things, and, and, and you react differently after that. And, and you don't realize or you, you don't know why you're reacting differently or maybe you are even aware of it because I don't want to get hurt again like I did before. But there was a stronghold and if that stronghold, there's, there's some things that after hurts that, that, that it, you know, it's okay to, to build up some, some things to protect ourselves. But there's also a certain way that the enemy will use these, uh, these little hurts, little, these little things to, to dig some footers, to dig some things in, in our life. And, and he will cause it to be something that will give him entrance into our minds that will destroy relationships on down the road because of the strongholds that have been built up. See, these spiritual strongholds are matters of the mind. These spiritual strongholds, they, they allow Satan to begin to manipulate people, Christians, Christian people. They, they allow him to bring great damage to, to themselves and not just themselves, but to their witness, to their holy witness that they would have to others. This, this weapon, I believe it's, it's consistent with with his character as a deceiver and, and it's, we see his, um, 
him coming in slyly and allowing you know, these things to be built up uh, in, you know, with, with relative, uh, in, in the darkness without us realizing that these mindsets are taking place in our, in ourselves that are contrary to how God would really want us to, uh, to have our mind. And, and it's, it's as if he's just laying these little mines, all mine, M-I-N-E, uh, like, like landmines. It's like he's laying all these things in their little battlefield uh, of our mind. And these, and there's, there's these things that all of a sudden they get stepped on. And you discover that it disarms something in your mind. And it sets it off. And it's, it's, it's this, this very uh, thing that lays dormant until it gets activated. And then all of a sudden you realize, why am I having this reaction that, that it doesn't match up with Scripture? Why am I, why am I acting this way? Why am I uh, doing things? Let, let me just, I, I don't know. Maybe I should just give some examples, some examples of, of spiritual strongholds so that we can understand what I'm talking about. See, the Bible teaches us to forgive our enemies, right? Very clear on that. Jesus is very clear. You need to forgive because you've been forgiven. It's a must. So if you're incapable of forgiving a particular person, then you should suspect that there's a spiritual stronghold that is in your mind. The Bible tells us that, that we should go, you could find, that you should find a spouse, that it's finding a spouse is a good thing. It tells us that you are to become one flesh. So if you are powerless to change your feelings toward your spouse and you feel hopeless, then maybe you should suspect that there is a certain stronghold that is there in your mind. The Bible tells us that we are to live holy lives, right? If you are unable to shake that creeping influence of the worldly pleasures and the priorities uh, of, the, of the world continue to creep into your life, then you should suspect that there's a spiritual stronghold that is there, that is that you have allowed to be built up and have allowed entrance of these things into your mind because of the stronghold that you've allowed to be built up. See, any time that the will of God is clearly spelled out, but reality tells you a different story in your life. Anytime that, that you're powerless to change the reality that's perceived by your mind, or anytime that you have accepted defeat because the situation looks hopeless, then you should just expect that there is a stronghold that's in your mind. If I were to define spiritual strongholds, I would define them this way. It's a mindset. That's impregnated with hopelessness that causes us to accept as unchangeable situations that we know are contrary to the will of God. Something in your life that you know doesn't line up to the will of God, but you have just accepted that it's unchangeable. And if you have done that, if you have accepted something as unchangeable that you know needs to be fixed, there's a stronghold that is attached to that. It's a mindset that's in you that has been built up that, that you, here's the thing. Strongholds, they, they expose this inconsistency between what you say and what you actually believe. 
You may come in here and you may express something and say it out of your mouth, but you know, and you, that would be an agreement with the word of God. But do you really believe it? Is the question. Because here's what we do. This, this is what strongholds end up doing: is they they erect these partitions in our mind, this thing in our mind that it builds up some walls in our mind that it says. Here's what the word of God says, but here's the reality of the situation. I know that God says this about me. I know that God speaks freedom into my life, but I sure don't feel free. And so the reality is that freedom is just a myth because the reality is I'm stuck Okay. The word of God says that I am to forgive, but the reality is I've been hurt too much to forgive. The word of God says this, but the reality is I can't do that. And I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I haven't been able to overcome So there's partitions that strongholds begin to build up in our mind between what the word of God says and what the reality of the situation is. And if you do not tear down that partition, then you've allowed the strongholds to remain. And that is a pretty, uh, a pretty strong tactic of the enemy that he is going to win the war, the battle of your mind, if you do not tear down the strongholds that are there. Amen? See, we, we cope with these things by, by, by just trying to, to you know, think in our mind, well, you know, I, I know that God's word says this, but, man, I just, I, I just feel, I, my, my human speculation tells me that that just isn't the case. I must be reading his word a little bit wrong or something. It must be interpreted a, a different way. No, it's pretty clear. The word of God is made pretty clear on, on many of these situations that we feel as if maybe our reality of, of the situation doesn't match it. Don't try to bend the word of God to the reality of your situation. Let's allow God's word to stand and let's begin to tear down some strongholds in our mind and say, I'm not going to accept this as truth. I'm going to accept the truth as truth. I'm going to accept the truth as truth. I mean, strongholds, here's what they do. They begin to develop this double-mindedness in us. It's James, James talks about that. James 1.8, he says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And you can see this double mind begin to be developed in somebody who has allowed strongholds to remain in their life. Strongholds to be built up in their life and... And they, they're going to have devastating effects if we allow these strongholds to remain. Amen. Saints that are trying to believe God for a breakthrough in their church. And yet they can't forgive the past hurt in their own life. There's some devastating effects that are attached to that. Saints who are, who are trying to believe God for a miracle in their city. And yet they can't even enjoy their marriage. There's, there's saints that are trying to believe God for power to witness, and yet they don't even have the power to live holy. 
Because they've allowed these strongholds to remain in their life. Come on, church. We need to break down some strongholds in our lives. We need to break down some of these things that are making our, 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 our situations that we have just felt that they are just always going to be this way. And I cannot gain a victory over them. And I know what the Word of God says, but my reality says something different. That's a stronghold that we need to tear down. When Christians know the will of God and they do otherwise, Satan, he's able to blackmail you with all these things, trying to bring them up. And that's what the strongholds will do. It allows him to continue to bring things up, bring things up, and it allows him entrance into our minds. And, and I'm not talking, I, I don't believe that a, a spirit-filled person, um, I don't believe you can be possessed by any kind of demon. If you're filled with God's spirit. But there is spiritual oppression that can take place. And when you've allowed these strongholds to be built, then it allows the enemy this, this foothold into your mind that gives him access into all these different areas of your life. And, and we cannot allow these strongholds uh, to give him this opportunity to just throw attack after attack after attack after attack in our minds. Because we've just resigned ourselves to the reality of the situation that things are not as... The word of God says they are. Amen. So let's, let's just look at as we start to bring this to a close here tonight. How, how can we pull these spiritual strongholds down? Well, how can we destroy these strongholds in our mind? If you're dealing with this in your, in your own life, if you're, if you're dealing with some, some things that, that uh, you feel are, are possibly, um, you know, being built up in your mind, some walls that are being built, some strongholds that are being built that you haven't dealt with, we need to begin to deconstruct them. So we can see this in in book of James chapter 4. James chapter 4 verses 7 through 10. He gives us four steps to uh, to accomplish pulling down these strongholds. And that's it's not the terminology necessar- necessarily that he uses, but we're talking about the same thing. James chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. We'll just read the whole passage there, and then we'll, we'll dig into these four different things that we need to do, four steps to pull down these strongholds. Beginning in verse 7, he says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, Ye double-minded, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. And the first thing that we need to do is we need to submit ourselves to God. Determine that the will of God, determine what the will of God is by God's word. Get his word and plant it in your heart. Allow his word to sink in. Allow this. And then take this word and choose to believe it. Obey it. Allow his word to direct your paths. Allow his word to begin to be the thing that you would submit to wholly, completely. To tear down the partition that's allowed you to store two opposing truths in your mind. That says that I know that God's word says this, but you know my reality says this. 
Call truth, truth. Call truth, truth. In spite of what you feel, call truth, truth. Proverbs says, buy the truth and sell it not. Apparently, truth can be sold. Apparently, there's a certain price by which we can sell truth. If this is the truth, hold on to it. Don't let it go. Don't let Satan begin to start peddling other things as truth and to say, you know what, that this, what you have uh, received as truth, that that isn't as much truth as what your reality says. No, my reality may speak this, but I believe, I choose to believe the truth over here as being the full truth, nothing but the truth. This right here is the truth. And then re-enter the battlefield. Okay? Realize, realize that this, the word of God is going to stand. It's going to come and we need to submit to the word of God. And by doing that, we're going to re-enter into this battlefield of our mind and begin to tear down some strongholds. We need to be ready for a spiritual battle once we allow uh, the word of God to settle some things in our mind. Once you've realized and you, and you can... I want to go deeper in some things. We just don't have the time now. We're going to have to continue in this next week. Because there's some things that you've been, you battle with because you get hurt by people. And you feel, you feel as if you are okay. You feel as if you're justified in your hurts and the way that you treat people because they have hurt you. But yet, Yet it's all it's all it's done is it's built up some strongholds in your life that you've allowed Satan to begin to come in and it's, it's it's warped your thinking so much because you've allowed the hurt and allowed the pain and allowed all these things to build up strongholds that you you see your life and you see your world in a different way. But if you get back to the Word of God, you begin to realize that my thinking and my 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 sight on how I'm seeing things and how I'm seeing people it doesn't align with how God wants me to see them. We can't allow the hurt and allow the things, the pain that we are feeling, we can't allow that to define our reality. We need to allow the word of God to define our reality. Amen. Number two, he said, after you resist the devil, uh, or I'm sorry, after you uh, submit yourselves therefore to God, that you need to resist the devil and he will flee from you. I believe that the most effective way to resist him is to die out to your old self. Put yourself out of his reach. Right? Say, God, I am completely yours, God. Now, my, my old flesh, this is exactly what God has called us to do, is to take up your cross and follow him. Die to your old self. That's what repentance is all about. It's about turning away from who you used to be, how you used to live, and following completely and wholly this God who has saved you from your sins. Dying to your old past. Dying to yourself. He says, when you die to yourself, then Satan doesn't have something to begin to come and to pull you back. Begin living in that old life. See, in Christ, everything is certain. Everything is proven. You can be just like Jesus, who when he was tempted of the devil, 
All he had to do was turn to the word. He said, it is written. It is written. God's already proved himself. God's already given me the answer. It's written in the word of God. And I don't have to follow in any of the words that you're trying to tempt me with, Satan. I'm going to resist everything that you're trying to throw my way. And I understand that you may feel that I, uh, you may put things that are pretty enticing. Temptations are not temptations if they're not enticing. Right? If you have no appetite for, if you have no appetite for peas, Trying to think of something that people don't have appetites for. If you don't have appetite for certain for, for, for vegetables, and the Satan, he's not gonna he's not gonna put vegetables in front of you. Well, Josh, there's a whole lot of things he's not gonna throw out in front of you because if he throws some chicken nuggets, it might get your attention. Amen. But there's some things he's going to throw your way that are really hard to resist. But we just need to say, I'm standing my ground. Resist the devil. And when you resist the devil, he will flee. Amen. Draw draw near to God. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We need to draw close to him because our speculations are things that we begin to see the world the way that we've allowed these strongholds to be built up in our mind that is partitioning things off and saying that I know the word of God says this, but my reality says this. That's caused us to get far away from God. We need to draw near to God. And when you draw near to God, then you, then he will draw near to you. So you begin uh, to, to when, when you start to draw near, there may be some fears of rejection that begin to prop up in your mind. Satan will begin to accuse you and, and say, hey, you, you've come, you've drifted too far. Don't listen to it. Don't listen to the accusations. Draw near to him and know that his word is true, that when you draw near, he will draw near to you. Jesus promises that he will draw near to you when you draw near to him. Don't allow fears of rejection to come up in your mind. Amen. The last the last thing is says that we need to cleanse our hands and to purify our hearts. He's talking about here. Our hands refer to the outward dimension, the things on the outward parts of, parts of us. While our heart is the inward, it's the inward dimensions of us. The the visible symptoms that often the the hands those are a whole lot easier to deal with than the inner causes, the root of the problem. It's really you know, sometimes it's it's much easier to deal with the, uh, you know, the the actual situation that's going on. But you need to get to the root of the situation. Let me let me just say it this way. Let's say let's say you are living in a in or, or acting in a, in a way that's uh, you know in an immoral relationship. There are outward things that you can cut off that relationship and stop that relationship and stop the immorality. But there's a heart matter that you need to deal with too. There are some things in the heart that you you need to figure out. Why did I ever allow myself to get into that? So cleanse your hands 
Let's stop doing it. Let's stop doing the things that, that are causing you to, to be in sin. But also, let's purify our hearts. Let's get to the heart of the matter of why did I ever allow myself to get into that situation? Okay? Cleanse our hands, purify our hearts. A stronghold has only been destroyed when a double-minded, when the double-mindedness becomes single-mindedness. When you've allowed, uh, or when you've stopped having a devil mind about saying, you know, seeing God's word and seeing your word and allowed these two things and all of a sudden you just have one mind which is in Christ. Amen. See, when we sin, when we sin, we usually plead guilty. I've been there. I'm sure you've been there. You sin, you plead guilty. But here's the, here's the thing is a lot of times, even when we plead guilty to our sin, we, we try to reserve the right to say something on our own behalf. And when we do that, it's only perpetuating a double mind. Instead, if we, if we looked at, at the remainder of what it had to say after those four things, it, it, talks, it talks about turning our laughter into mourning. See, only as you see the ugliness of your sin will you ever be drawn to God's holiness and fully repent. See, for Christians, persistence, you need to have that persistence. That's the opposite of instability. That persistence that you begin hammering away at all your wall of arguments, at all these things, this stronghold that has been built up. And you need to have some persistence where you're chiseling away at this one thing after another. And there are some mindsets that we have built up that are, that are allowing things that are contrary to the will of God to enter into our life over and over and over. And it's because we have not been persistent enough to chisel away at these strongholds that have been built up. So we need to use God's word. Let's, let's use God's word like a sledgehammer. That, you know, on our circumstances. Just things that are just chipping away at these mindsets. And the thing is, this battle can only be won. It can only be fought truly when we are on our knees. And man, we need to spend time in prayer. We need to allow God to begin to transform our mind. God, help me, Lord Jesus, to get rid of these mindsets, get rid of these strongholds in my mind. God, these things that I've allowed to take root, these things that I've allowed to be built up, Lord, and I, maybe you don't understand why you've been dealing with some things over and over and over. There's strongholds that are there. And they can only be torn down in prayer. Amen. Can we just lift up our hands all around this place? I know this is Bible study here tonight, but I want God, amen, to have a chance to have an opportunity here right now, amen, for a, a submitted heart, a submitted mind, amen, for God to begin to do some of this chiseling away. Lord, I pray, Lord, right now, Lord Jesus, that there's somebody in this place, God, they recognize that they've espoused some things in their life, Lord, they've, they, they've allowed some things to come in and to take root, 
that have given entrance, Lord, to, uh, to, to Satan and the enemy of our soul, Lord, have allowed him to begin to, uh, to cause us to justify our actions and justify things because we feel as if, uh, Lord, we're, we're just, we're, you know, we're okay in doing this, Lord, but, but, if your word says, God, Lord, something, Lord, that we are not holding to, Lord, then let us stand on your word, God. Let us stand on the truth of who you are. And I'm not going to allow my uh, strongholds, Lord, to be built up. But, Lord, let us pull them down here tonight. God, let us resist the devil. Let us resist every temptation, Lord, that he tries to throw away. Let us draw near to you. Lord, I pray that we could find a place of prayer this week. We could find a place of prayer, Lord, so that we could tear down some strongholds in our mind. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Lord, give us a burden. Give us a passion for you. Give us a passion, Lord, for, for, for drawing close to you and being by your side. God, give us a burden for those around us. Lord, help us. Help this church. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church. Amen. I'm so thankful for all that God is doing. Amen. We are getting.